<laughs> Hello and welcome to game day 24 of Two Up Top, the weekly football review show. It is Gav Mac, myself, that's who I, that's who I am, with Adam Harrell, who I've been spelling his name wrong for a number of years and I didn't actually know. Everybody does. Yeah, well there you go. And Alex Osborne, whose name I don't spell incorrectly, despite it being the most, what is that, the most common way of spelling Osborne? Versatile. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, because I don't have a U or an E in my surname, and that just frustrates the hell out of me when someone spells my name incorrectly. Yeah, so that's why I just sort of mind to Mac rather than put my phone, <laughs> because it's always MAC. And... Anyway, so, um, yeah, game day 24, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a weekly, a midweek fixture list that sparked out quite a few shock results and very interesting situations. Big results at the bottom of the table. Very big results at the bottom of the table, and also we'll talk a little bit about Wolves versus Liverpool because that's tonight. In fact, let's let's open with that. So, Wolves at home against Liverpool today, tonight, depending on what time you listen to the show. Yesterday, so this is it's quite an interesting fixture because of how the first game panned out. You know, there was quite a lot of VAR controversy in that game. There was also Neto who believed that he scored when he didn't. Wolves played a really good game at Anfield so in terms of a revenge situation can you see that that Wolves might be able to turn it up and, and try and get that zero um, I, I'm i of the opinion that if uh, that goal had stood and it should have done I think we can all agree mm. it should have done um, I think VAR was literally taken to the law and I don't believe that's what VAR was introduced for was it VAR wasn't introduced to make it well is he is he a millimetre onside or offside is he that's not what it was introduced for aside of that I'm firmly of the opinion that Liverpool if that goal had stood they still would have gone on to win the game because they would have stepped up their um, their efforts I mean, I feel like they, they they do just enough to win a game of football mm. and that they are constantly then because they're good enough to do that it's like as I said the Invincibles the Chelsea team of the mid-2000s, the Man United team of the late 2000s mm. um, and the Man City team, that they're so good that they can do just enough to win a game and uh, saving their performances and their proper expert excerpts for when um, it really does matter. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think the Wolves have got, uh, have got a very tough time ahead of them and the only way I can see a potential result for Wolves is if Liverpool go down to 10 men uh, there's a couple of uh, decisions go against them. Um, otherwise, otherwise, I can't see anything other than a Liverpool win. To be mm. honest with you, the thing is with Wolves and about well, so, so I just have a Liverpool is that with Liverpool is that they not only do they play the best football in the league uh, and in the world, they're the best team in the world at the moment. Uh, they have a level of professionalism that I find that other teams don't have. So their players aren't petulant; they are patient. They don't surround the referee. So I'm going to use an example of. The Liverpool Man United game from the weekend, where mm-hmm. De Gea and I said this, we were all sat together watching the game, yeah. obviously before before the show on Monday, and um, <clears throat> De Gea goes to the referee and gets in his face, and people are arguing saying, yeah, well he wouldn't have done that if the decision had been made one way or the other. We argued on the table whether it was correct or not. Uh, this was the foul supposedly from Van Dijk on De Gea. Um, Liverpool players don't do that. If a, if a decision goes against Liverpool, they just crack on, and this is what separates them, I think, from specific teams. And this is this is the this is the this is the thing is that 
I can't see Liverpool going down to 10 men unless it's you know a last ditch challenge early in the game Wolves try and break Liverpool down but Liverpool, yeah, they're very smart at not doing that yeah, as well Liverpool don't like, play, quite Liverpool, don't play a, Liverpool don't play a high line and I think the thing is is that so I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here I think Wolves are going to go balls to the wall tonight because the teams around them Manchester United losing last night is a particular example mm. Wolves win they go fifth place proper and they'll be three points behind Chelsea uh, and I just feel like with Chelsea's run of form at the moment Chelsea are on a deep dive and with Wolves the way that they've you know from the start of the season we're all talking about them potentially you know having to stay off relegation they had a terrible start to the season like yeah. Yeah. it was awful um, but they've they've been so consistent since then I think at one point they didn't lose in 11 games absolutely yeah, 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 they, yeah, they, they, they've, they've been, they've been phenomenal and I think if anyone can the thing is with Liverpool as well is that some of their engine players are out so um, Kate is out Milner's out uh, they've not got Shakiri coming off the bench. He's out. So well, I don't think they'll worry about that when you've still got. They've still got world class players coming yeah. off the bench. They've still they've still got very good youngsters <coughs> coming off the bench. Um, I'm still I'm back in a draw tonight. I think I I don't think Wolves will shut Liverpool out, but I don't think Liverpool will shut Wolves out. So Liverpool what, have say, what are you saying? Two two each. I'm gonna go you're one. Desmond. Each. I'm gonna go <laughs> one each. One each. I feel like Liverpool haven't got out of second gear recently, That's and they the, rode their recently. Leg. I don't think they've done it all season. Only no. in spurts in certain games. The, the City game, yeah. the Leicester game, they they came out in spurts like and went into well, probably fourth gear. If but they've not done the, the swashbuckling done in the last couple of, years, couple if, of seasons. If Liverpool converted five percent more of their chances, then they'd be the top scorers in the league, but they're not. Um, mm. You know, Leicester. As, I mean, barring a little dip in form recently, Leicester and Man City are certainly more potent. I think you'll find that they've had more results where they're absolutely blowing teams away. Liverpool, at one 0 against Man United, they're coasting and they allow Man United to stay in the game until the very last kick. Yeah, for me, uh, if they're taking more of their chances. So, uh, you know, I think Wolves are a lot more organised than Manchester United. I feel like Wolves are going to give them a much more difficult game, so they will have to step their game up naturally. Mm. They're not thinking about Shrewsbury on Sunday, Liverpool. So they're no, you know, so they will <laughs> they will be full strength. Yeah. It, one thing I I think it'll be a really good game. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what, what do you reckon the scoreline would be, Alex? So I'm going to go with a Liverpool victory in this one. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be by the odd goal. So whether it's one 0 or two one. Uh, I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a tight affair. Don't get me wrong, but it'll be very similar to the game at Anfield, and I can see that Liverpool coming out on top. So I think it's going to be quite open. I, I see Wolves actually nicking it. I reckon it might be another three-two, but they'll have to be in the lead the whole point. I don't think they'll be able to pull it back from two goals behind, which I've done twice already this season. Yeah, well, obviously one one of, one of those was mitigating circumstances against City. Yeah, because uh, City went down to ten men. No, City but went two two, up. They went two. City City went two 0 up in that game. You know when you because they were playing with ten men for a lot of that game, weren't they? They were. They, yeah. It wasn't like a sent off with like fifteen minutes ago. It was sent off within the first fifteen minutes. If I remember rightly, a long old chunk of the yeah. Game. So they were tiredness came into that. Even a City's quite superior fitness. So that, that made a game circumstance there. But yeah, you, you, I mean, we you've gone for a draw. You went for I'm a draw. Probably. You've gone Wolves. When I've got Liverpool, yeah. so we've got our bases covered. We're, 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 we're covered. Um, <laughs> a team, right. Yeah, <laughs> a team. A team that did suffer a red card was Arsenal this week. Uh, Chelsea two, Arsenal two. Bellerin back in the side. He uh, he was actually skipper for the day as well. Um, first goal came from um, Mustafi's hospital pass, which um, oh. got uh, WWE sent off in the end. Jorginho oh. started the penalty home. Wonder goal from from Martinelli. Uh, Chelsea went two one up with Aspilicueta with six minutes to go, thinking that the game's over. Then Bellerin got one back uh, to make it to a piece. Now a couple of things in this game which I would like to talk about. Um, let's talk about the red card first of all. Right, we've talked about this in the show 
last couple of weeks, haven't I? And mm. I've mentioned double double jeopardy, right? Please explain that to me because I thought when the penalty was given, a yellow card would be issued, right? And there'd only be a red card issued if it was serious foul play. I think right? I, I, I think Mustafi... Did David Luiz do serious foul play? Now? I don't think David, he has. David Luiz has been left in a hole by Mustafi. Oh, there, yeah, massive. And he's done everything he can to get back to Troy. He's been sold down the river. You know, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I don't think it was a serious foul. I think to red card him was really harsh. I, I am in full agreement with you. Now, the reason why I think it's not a red card is because even though he was holding him, he was making a genuine attempt to get the ball. And that's where the... That's where the, the new law was sort of come come around. When it's if that was outside the box that he did that, then it would have been a red card. If it was inside the box, mm. then it's a penalty and a yellow card. Also, there was a man covering on the line in, yeah. in Mustafi. Um the penalty itself, expertly executed by Jorginho, I must add. Well, he's he's practiced those. He, he has, isn't he? I mean, you talk we talk about top five penalty takers. Is he in a contender for that? Because I don't think I've seen him miss one. It's just the way he strokes him, yeah, isn't yeah, it? But yeah. sometimes he, he puts him top bin, sometimes he, he just rolls it along the ground. I but can't stand a player that rolls a penalty, no thanks. <laughs> 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 there has to be a Leeds comment in there somewhere. Um, another talking point, Martinelli's goal. Well, I think Martinelli kind of cap- uh, what's it, captured the whole Arsenal performance last night. There was a lot of character, a lot of fight, um, they didn't give up, whereas under previous regimes they might have done, or they might have capitulated, or think, "Woe is me." Um, and there's only but encouraging signs that come out of that. Yet they haven't won again. It's only one win in seven since he, since Arteta has taken over. It's like I think it's only two wins in fifteen Premier League games as well um, for Arsenal, which is, uh, from what I can remember. Potentially the worst running up my lifetime. I, I think, think the it's difference been... is is that this time round they were coming from a goal down, whereas normally well, they've, they've lost thirteen points from winning positions in the yeah. Premier League this season. Well, this this we talked about the draw at Sheffield United as a kind of like you felt it as a bit of a loss. Yeah, that, this that, draw that, has got to feel like a win, right? Yeah, I would say that it's yeah. a way a way at a top six side down to ten men, and they've come out with come out with it with a. With something. So they're down to 10 men. It's a counter-attacking goal. Adam, what are your thoughts on how the goal came around? Because this is a Chelsea corner. So you just try... You, this, is, this, is, this is what good teams do. You try and catch them. And props to Martinelli. So his first... Well, his touch just before Kante, um, Golo Kante slips is actually a poor touch. It comes off his mm-hmm. knee. And obviously Kante slips. And what he does is, instead of giving up on his poor touch, he's tr- still trying to chase the ball down. Mm. Kante slips. He gets, he gets a bit of fortune with it. And he mm. carries on going. He's got two, you know, top class centre outs on his back, and he keeps going. He stays in front of the ball. Obviously, as a striker, you, you're supposed to get across your man. He just stays in front, and he just slots it past the keeper. It's actually a really, really like poor bit of goalkeeping, I thought. Yeah, um, I felt that from Arita uh, um, Balaga. But like it, it, at you, the end of the day, he did his job. As you say, did you think at any point as he was running through, he was going to miss? I, 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 I had a hundred percent confidence. That he I didn't was feel like score. he was going to. Yeah, I, I do because just I just felt that would have been a tip, like typical of the day. You know, um, no, I, no, I, I had 100%. As soon as he was through, I was like, right, he scored this. What Arsenal showed, on, what Arsenal showed on Tuesday night was a lot of character. And it's not, and that's not just a cliche you throw out there and stuff like that. But like, this Arsenal team have been synonymous with not being asked, not being bothered. 
about the result or playing for the shirt and things like that. And you know, maybe players like Bellerin coming back in who who you got a little bit of bother about him and yeah. you know, it looked a little bit more like they gave a damn what they were playing for. And that might just be a little bit of the influence of what Arteta's bringing in because he knows what it means to play for that club, particularly in an era of success. Yeah. Um and we've got to I suppose we've got to credit the substitution of taking Ozil off, bringing on Genduzi Getting more energy in legs in the midfield and industrious. Uh, yeah, uh, so therefore, because with Ozil going down to ten men, I think we can all agree, Ozil's not the most he's, he's physical of players, is he? Well, um, and you know, <laughs> ma- maybe that comeback doesn't happen. Even with the creativity Ozil gives you, yeah. was creativity in that match going to get you back into That's that match? Point. I don't think it was. I think it was you your to, running, your you attitude, your energy, your, your graft. You're going to have to and try and hit them on the counter. And the yeah. thing is, is that you know, counters normally start wide. However, this counter went straight down the, down the yeah. neck. And that's yeah. what, that's, you know, a player like Martinelli, like, you know, people are talking about, you know, people like, you know, Mason Greenwood's getting all the plaudits and rightfully so, kids absolutely quality. Like, you know, in years gone by, Rashford and Raheem Sterling. Martinelli's gone a little bit under the radar. The guys are absolutely mustard. It's come from nowhere as well. Yeah, it's come from the 4th division of Brazilian football. You, you, you talk about Kepa, right? I thought he was a bit suspect on the Bellerin goal. I mean, Bellerin hasn't really struck that. He, I mean, he struck it well. He's, he's, he's nice cut. He's used the... Um, was it Tammy Abraham? Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he sort of used him as a... As, you know, when players use a player he's, to like place it around them. He's caught the keeper unawares there. But, you know. oh, Kepa's... And a moment of absolute mm. concentration. But then, to be fair, you ask your defenders to do a job. and But then this is what top-quality players they'll do to you. I always say it like being a one-yard striker or, you know, I say it to my players on a Saturday, like, you know, if you get you get a yard within within 25, you know, someone someone backs off you, get a ping off. It's because he was going to force him into a save or, you know, just at the time. And there was players there that could have followed it up. Now, the, one of the main talking points, we've only recently, in the last couple of weeks, just been talking about it, haven't we, about strike force for England. Tammy Abraham, a really, uh, a really innocuous uh, injury for him. He's gone, he's gone into the side. Of, he's gone into the hoardings, and it, it looks like he's, he's injured himself pretty badly. I think they only kept him on the pitch just to make sure that there's still eleven men on the pitch because they made all the substitutions. If he is out for a sustained period of time, how much do you feel <laughs> one it will affect Chelsea, excluding Cavani? Before you open his mouth, um, <laughs> how much do you feel that would affect Chelsea, and what do you think that will have an effect on England? It's massive. Your top goals well, are missing. If you, if you know, well, what's he got? Fourteen goals. Yeah. If you, if you're fourteen goal top goal scorer goes missing, where are your goals coming from? Well, so I suppose this will be where Batshuayi. Bashwari or Giroud are going to step up, right? I think Bashwari has to prove a point now because mm. you know if he do, this is his last season at Chelsea if he doesn't get games and he's not getting games and I still think he's a top quality striker. I've already said it. There was a lot of Leeds fans going on because we've been we've had a twenty million pound bid for Che Adams turn now, brilliant, a fourth fourth choice striker at Southampton. Someone said, why can't we go and get Bashwari for the rest of the season mm. on loan and even pay his wages? Like you know, they'll I'm sure Chelsea pay his wages, but obviously he's not going anywhere at the minute. But like. If he's not getting games, then this is going to be it for him. But he's got goals in him. When he went to Palace, he, he scored goals. You know, mm. he went to he went to Dortmund and he scored goals. Yeah. Like, you know, he's goals everywhere he's gone. So I don't know. Maybe it's an actual problem. Yeah, maybe, that's, maybe that's the only thing I can think of because he's maybe been in the team. Maybe, but he's been at what? Is you meant you mentioned what three teams there? Chelsea, Palace, Dortmund. I'm sure he's been to a couple of other teams as well. Yeah. No. And he's never stuck, or he's never. The teams have never wanted him back. So that to me is red flags. Well, again, they might have not said we want to keep hold of him because the transfer ban. Whereas now he's got points to prove. Otherwise, he's probably going to be gone next week. Yeah, he scored. So mm. he scored. He scored seven goals in ten appearances for for Dortmund. 
Um, he didn't have a great line at Valencia. He got one goal in 15, but he scored five and 11 at Palace, and that's not that's not terrible for a striker. You know, some, I don't know, I don't know whether he functions. I, so if you ask me what he functions as, I wouldn't say if he's a nine or a ten. Maybe he's a left prong in a in a three forward attack. I, I don't know, but like it, maybe it is just a case of like he doesn't really have an identity. He's 26 though, so if he's going to do something, he's, he's got, got it now. He's got it now. He's been at Chelsea since 2016. Okay, good stuff. Um, we spoke about injuries to strikers. Another injury to a striker where um, Alex thinks the phone should be picked up towards. Yeah. Jamie Vardy, he, he was injured in the game. Uh, Leicester 4, West Ham 1. So, Harvey Barnes opened scoring. Um, Ricardo got his goal. Um, they sort of well, helps each other out. So, they both got a goal and assist with the first two goals. And Didi made a challenge on Hallow and a free kick. Um, it would be a free kick outside the box, so a penalty was given. Um, Mark Noble with a noble finish to make it 2-1. Um, Madison, no... Where are we? Um, uh, Isaac Perez, apologies. So Isaac, per- um, Isaac Perez got the penalty and then uh, another lovely finish there. So Gareth Southgate. Can we, take a, moment, can we take a the... moment for Gareth Southgate? He's in manager all these players just dropping like flies. Oh, yeah. It's all, it's all the strikers at the moment. I think they're all right everywhere else. Yeah, so... Um... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well... We've been talking about Danny Ings or Tammy Abraham. Well, Danny Ings is the last one standing, mate, so it's going to have to be him. Um, I think he would have had a call-up anyway. He, w- he, w- uh, he would have had a call-up anyway, but uh, it does definitely mean that he will be uh, coming up. I mean, oh, they've got any... friendlies in... Um, uh, they, friendlies, is it March, is it? Yeah, it'll be March, March next March. international break. We're all looking forward to the next international break, so no one ever. Yeah, um, yeah so... Anyway... Yeah, a couple, a couple. What, 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 what I say is about the Leicester game. They've been on a bad run. They've been on a sort of indifferent run of form, haven't they? Leading into this game, mm-hmm. um, this was indeed his first game back after four games. And first game back, they've won four 0 With even with four one, Va- sorry, uh, even with Vardy uh, going out uh, uh, injured earlier. Well, though, listening to Brendan Rodgers afterwards, he did seem to think that it wasn't as serious as the first thought, and that they would find out more today. Um, but indeed, he certainly a big and important player for Leicester, and we've mentioned this a couple of times, haven't we? Mm-hmm. So uh, he certainly gives them that added, added physical presence and protection in midfield. Though that def- that penalty was soft, that was soft, it, it, especially if you're not going to get the penalty for. I'm going to sound completely biased here, but the Arsenal Sheffield United game, Pepe didn't get that penalty, but a penalty was given for that one. I, I don't quite understand the consistency here. It's obviously always down to human error, isn't it? So it's the fact that we've always said it, like I've always said it, like with, with certain referees, you're going to get away with certain things and with, with other referees, you're not. And obviously it just depends on, obviously now in the Premier League, who's in the booth on the day and obviously like who's in the middle of the park on the day. We've all had them referees on a Saturday or a Sunday morning and you turn up and you think, oh, not this geezer. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. anything you do, you're going to get pulled up or like, there's referees I even turn up at goals at and I think, this guy hates me. Obviously, it's because I'm a mouthy idiot when I play football. But, like, <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing I can do about that. Like, I just have to obviously that stand down to me to watch myself and the way that things are going about. So, you know, it, I think the thing is is that with particularly like with VAR and stuff in, in the in the top flight and stuff, if you know you've done no wrong, then you know you can just wait wait it out for that to to do its job and hope it does its job and does it well. And those people do their job, but it's you know it, officiating the consistency is it's never it's never been there. It's, there's week in week out. I say it for Leeds United. Like, you know, where's the consistency? Officials of, and this is this is an official figure. This is a statistic. Leeds United have dropped 15 points because of officiating mistakes this year. Mm. 
15 points. That's prom that's easily promotion. For teams below us, that's potentially playoff. Yeah, yeah. You know or, I mean? or, or relegation from from uh, from the championship, which is a very tough league to to get out of. as you know all too well yourself. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Vardy. It looked like a hammy initially, but it looks like such more of a glute injury. So he'll probably only be out for a week or two, which is great. Um. For them. Um. A game which affects sort of like the top four-ish area and the bottom is Manchester United versus Burnley. That game finished Manchester United nil, Burnley 2. It's Burnley's first win at Old Trafford since 1962. So, and this is also United's worst point tally since the 89-90 season. And since we all know what happened that This season. is the worst Manchester United of our lifetime. The only painful thing is, is that they're still fifth. Yeah, so... It just I goes just, to uh, show us, like, you know... On in, in any given season in the last ten or fifteen years, if Man United were having a season like this, Spurs and Arsenal would certainly be above them. Yeah, but they're not. So the point is, is that it's a very random season. They are year, they yeah. are benefiting massively from the teams around them not doing so well. Even the team above them, Chelsea. So like I say, they're still only you know six points off of of a top four position. Top four position. If this Manchester United team get into the Champions League next year, then that's it's that's horrendous. It's 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 awful to watch. It's awful. I mean, and this is why the fans are calling for for Ollie's head, in my opinion. Who's received a vote of confidence uh, early on this morning as well? And we said this in in you know in our, in our group chat. It, you know, it's a it's a death now for a lot of for a lot of people. They you know they come out with these these vote of confidence things like for the managers and stuff. And it often it's just a case of we see that there's a problem, but you know we're going to stick with him. So you know if this carries on, that's basically them saying if this carries on, then he will be gone. Because we understand there's a problem. That's yeah. them acknowledging there's an issue there, and there is an issue, and it is it is the football being played. You know they've got bright sparks like Fred Fred's turning up, for example. Luke Shaw's not not being terrible, even though he's you know. I'd argue he's man of the match against you know against Liverpool the other day. I, I, I would I would yeah you, you were saying that through the whole game. Mason, Mason Greenwood is a you know is a, is a spark for the future. Rashford's been fantastic for them. Like Matteo needs to start really hitting the target because it, he's. It, like it, Rashford's out at the moment. Tomane's out at the moment. Pogba's still out at the moment. Imagine if they had these players. I'm sure they I'm sure they'd be in fourth right now because Chelsea have been woeful in the last two months. So. Yeah, and um, the goals came from uh, Chris Wood, who's now got his tenth goal in the Premier League this season, Please. and uh, and uh, Jay Rodriguez as well, which his his hit was very sweet off the bar. So, where where I have a bit of a question is, people were talking at the beginning of the season with Wood and Barnes, they were the main goal threats for them. Barnes has been out for a little while, and it's like, oh, hold on a minute, where are the goals going to come from? Should we start like respecting and understanding Chris Wood's contribution to the team a bit more than than we should? You know, ten goals in twenty four. Well, he played twenty four games. I don't think he's played all twenty four. No. He was out injured for a little bit, so it's pretty much a one in two hit rate. You take that from any striker, surely. You look at uh, a tall, a tall striker like Chris Wood, and you think, okay, goals in the air. And yes, he's very, very good in the air. So obviously, I used to watch him week in, week out. He's incomparable, nowhere near the quality. But he's comparable for me to an Ollie Giroud. So you can play the ball long to him and he'll bring the ball down and he'll bring players into the game. But it looks to me as if he has added more goals to his game. So it's easy mm. enough for someone like Chris Wood, who, you know, he faltered at, you know, he faltered at Leicester and then he came to Leeds and he faltered at Leeds in his first season. And then in his second season he really stepped up and he was a proper number nine. Like we would give anything to have him back. Yeah. Like right now, you know, we're in a sorry state. But he's it's it's his goal contribution now that he's needed to step up that that looks like, you know. Burnley, 
he may have found his level, you know, but a lot of the clubs around them, like teams like Newcastle, they could really have done with a striker like Chris Wood. Do you know yeah. what I mean? At the start of the season, they've gone and they've gone and spaffed forty million on someone like Joel Linton, who's done I'm sorry, absolutely nothing. Like it's, it's, one, oh, it's, of the, it's one of the it's one of the worst transfers in Premier League history, if you ask me. Like for forty million quid, that's absolutely woeful. Not when seventeen million goes and gets you Erling Haaland, who's now gone to Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? So Leeds Le- 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 United <laughs> are having twenty million bids turned down for Che Adams, the fourth choice striker out down at Southampton. I, I just don't understand it. Manchester United have just bid thirty million for Jude Bellingham. He's yeah. 16 years older. But Who's on aging 45 quid a week. I just don't understand the, the logic in this. But then, like, a player like Chris Woods being overlooked, like, in the Premier League and people, like, laughing at his ability. I was only, what, 27? Yeah, I think he's about 27, yeah. yeah. Um, one issue I must bring to light is Dan James. Dan James, he started off the season beautifully with three goals in four games. Now he has no goals in his last 19 Premier League games. He is a one... He's got one thing he's very, very good. The thing is, I'm not saying he's not he's no good or he's a one-trick pony, but it is, he is a bit of a one-trick pony. He needs to add more to his game. So, like, again, Dan James, like, I say it every single time on the show, like, I, I used to watch him week in, week out last year, so particularly when we're being touted with him and with his performances in the first half of last season for Swansea. Like, he will very much, like, get rem- reminiscent of Gareth Bale when he came through like and really started playing for Tottenham, he'll knock it past you and he'll run. He'll run you ragged. So mm. in you know in European games, it will it will look like a don because he's playing on bigger pitches and he's got a lot more space to express himself. In the Premier League, where it gets a lot tighter in some of these smaller grounds, particularly, it's easier to choke him and it's easier to put him on his one foot and you know leave him on his weak foot and you know leave him out in the dust. It's it's difficult for him because he's not really got a lot around him. So like. Manchester United are suffering from a serious lack of creativity. Like their goals are coming from individual brilliance of players like Rashford, who obviously is now injured. So Man United, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say go and sign Cavani, but like <laughs> yeah. he's, he's one of but, them. Uh, uh, what I would say, if you do go and sign Cavani, he's just going to suffer the same fate as Martial now. Because where's who's going to feed him the They're goals? Who's going to? So Cavani, I think, is not the right signing for them. They they need well Bruno Fernandez. What's going to be happening with they, that move? They need a creative midfielder, and, and the thing he, is, he is sounds like he would be the guy. I think mm. I, I don't I don't know whether there's so I'm I'm going to speak about some I've had some thoughts about whether there's a correlation between the power of fans and the power of the media contributing to the fact that the transfer market money is going up all the time. So every team in England knows that Leeds United play really good football. Also, every team in England, because of you know the, the the attraction that we have in the media, knows that we're in desperate need of a striker. Southampton know this, so would they be have been willing to let Che Adams go had we come in and gone right? He's a fourth choice striker. He's barely played. He's played like sixteen games. He scored like three goals. Um, I, I think I'm being a bit harsh there. I think he scored a bit more than that, but like, I, he's, I think he scored five goals in like sixteen games. You know, if we came in with a 10, 15 million pound bid and had nothing had been said online or, you know, by all the millions of Twitter fans who are going absolutely crazy week in, week out for us to sign a striker, would they then be turning down 20 million or are they going, right, let's, let's rinse them for every penny they've got? Yeah. So it's the same thing with Manchester United, with, with, with Fernandez. Like, you know, Man United are in desperate need of a creative midfielder, someone who can contribute with goals and assists and, you know, really get the team moving forward. And, you know, they know he's not going to be there next year. They know that a big team's going to come in for him and they know they can afford it because he's not going to stay in Portugal because, I'm sorry, the Portuguese league is not a scratching market league. No, it's, it's, it's not. So are they then saying, right, well, you know, because I think 40 million is, is pretty fair for that. Again, Erling Haaland, 17 million. 
I will say this about Erling Haaland. If he had been going to an English club, the fee would be would be more than seven. Oh, of course, million. yeah, massively. But then this is, I mean, obviously, but there's con- things in contracts that we don't see, and there's you know things that I've been told about, like little little clauses here and there, and things like that. So Jack Clark from Leeds to Tottenham, for example, if Tottenham get Champions League football, that fee automatically goes from eight million to twelve million, mm. and we get that four million in the summer. Yeah. So I'm. Hoping Tottenham. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that. So happen, Fernandez, like forty million. They're now talking about sixty million because Man United have gone. Yeah, we'll we'll pay it. And then they've suddenly gone. Ah, well, you know, well, it's not. Mm, yeah, we've got sixty. And then they've gone. Well, that's not what you said. Yeah. And then yeah, that's like, that's like, it's, we it's don't very care. We've, we've been yeah. led to believe that you know you're in much more dire need of this player than you're making out, and we know you can afford it. And if, yeah. you know, a lot of people yeah. I know will say. If he's your man, go and get him. That's why a lot of people say about Maguire. Manchester United needed a player like Harry Maguire. If they didn't have Harry Maguire, who would be there? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So they would still have found a player regardless. The fact that they had to pay £80 million for Harry Maguire, when Leicester had paid something like £20 million for Siunchu, who's, for me, a much better a Far player. better centre-half. I, yeah, and sorry, people will be like, oh, you know, well, he's been England's best centre-half for a long time. Well, you know, he's, you know, he's playing along alongside like John Stones for England and you know for Manchester United he's playing alongside who, like who? Lindelof. Like Lindelof do you know what I mean who is terrible like I'm sorry again people are like well who are you to say he's terrible he's terrible yeah. he's woeful like, yeah we watched the game we, we know enough <laughs> to, <laughs> to make a judgement on I've it I've watched three minutes of the game to, to know that Lindelof is terrible and this is the problem with, with transfers and things is that they're going to be they're going to be hammed up because you know we can like, particularly like look at Arsenal for example Arsenal have really struggled to sign top quality players in recent years they've been resorted to loans for Ceballos do you know what I yeah. mean like players like that and you know Tim Shellstrom. I'm not sitting there saying that, <laughs> Jesus how does that happen I'm not sitting there saying that you know like for example like you know these fan channels and stuff are responsible but like they're like you know you see people screaming week in week like, go and sign this player go and sign that player go and sign this and there's a huge Twitter for all for it or an Instagram for all for it all the fans because the clubs look they, they do follow like mm. I've, I've had I've had Radziani like a couple of tweets that I've put out about Leeds and you know they week in week out they like the, the, the tweets from big you know, big level fans and stuff like that, people who've got lots of followers and stuff. So they do they they do, do it. They do read. Like, you know what I mean? The players do read what you, you write about them. They're they're advised not to. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you know, they they can see what they need. And like if I was you know, if I was working for a club, certainly, like I you know, I know that as a Leeds United, you know, as a as a Leeds United fan, like if I was working for Leeds and I, I you know, we don't get promoted, for example, at that scenario. Calvin Phillips is going to be touted by some big clubs in England. You know, how much is Calvin Phillips worth? He signed a deal last summer. I'm almost certain that it's got a release clause if we don't get promoted. So he can go for X amount of money if Leeds don't get promoted, mm. if the team matches it. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be somewhere in the 25 million region mark. Because I honestly, genuinely, in my heart of hearts, believe that he's worth that, if not more. He's worth more than that to us. But obviously, in terms of... Because we were talking the other week, like how transfer fees are, are sort of worked out nowadays. It's not necessarily how much the player is worth. It's the value they are to the club. Yes, massively. Um... Down the bottom of the league, well, that that victory for Burnley has moved them away from 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 the bottom end of the, of the table. They're on thirty points with everybody else in the Premier League. What well, it seems like this season. There's like five teams. 30, 30, yeah, 31, yeah. everyone's on 30, 31, 34, aren't they? That's what it looks like. Um, but a couple of teams that may affect. Um, you've got Bournemouth and Brighton, and then uh, Villa versus Watford. So let's uh, go with with the Bournemouth game. Bournemouth three, uh, Brighton one. Um, um, Harry Wilson with the with the opener from a slanky assist. 
Mm. Lol. Um, Sergio Rico with the corner. I think it was an own goal in the end off uh, Pascal Gross. Although I think the ball's going in. Huh? So let him let him have let him have the goal. Um, but that, that made it two 0 And then Callum Wilson did finally get his goal. Aaron Moy brought one back towards the end. But that scoreline does not reflect the game. I don't think Brighton, as we were saying last week, Brighton the way they've been playing football recently. Well, not recently, this season has been far better than they have ever done since they've been back in the top flight. So, what is going wrong for Brighton and what do they need to do to get results to match their performances? They, they need players. They haven't got the money. That, that, to bring in, you know, top quality players again, like, you know, Brighton, Brighton could really probably do with another striker, a creative midfielder, probably a defender as well. You know, to get Premier League level players, three of them, you're going to need 60 million quid. Minimum. I think it's their reputation as well, isn't it? I mean, uh, are the players that they want to bring in, are they going to come to Brighton as opposed to signing for another club elsewhere because Brighton's reputation is not as good? It's a good and, night out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, at, the, at the end of the day, uh, they're, they're, they're going to have to somehow stay in the Premiership in order for their reputation to grow, for them players to then be attracted to that club because, mm. okay, so they're a stable Premiership club, we can go to them safe in the knowledge that we're going to be still playing in the Premier League if I join, okay? So, um, yeah, Southampton, yeah. Uh, Crystal Palace, mm. uh, who, who else has been in the Premier League for a few years? Well, now, Bournemouth are an interesting one. Uh, I think... Uh, I think Eddie Howe is the pool there. That Eddie Howe could be the pool there, though I I, I am starting to question him as a, as a manager this because is his first he said he said there was something he said after the game. I don't know whether it was yeah, it was after not this game that was just gone, but it was the game before when they lost, and it again it threw up a red flag to me because I was like, oh okay, that I wasn't expecting that him to say that. It was basically oh, up. Yeah, um, Bournemouth. Yeah. Oh, exactly. so it was, the Watford game. So it was after they, they, uh, they lost their last game before this one at the weekend. Um, he was asked after, so what can you do to try and stop this run of results going? He was going, uh, we've got to try and stay, stick to basics, this, that and the other, manager speak. But then he said, I've got to look at myself and see if I'm doing everything. And he goes, and honestly, I can say I'm doing absolutely everything that I can. And that was a red flag to me because that says to me that he is... Um, either blinkered thinking that he knows everything that there is to know or that he doesn't need any help and mm. the best managers the best yeah, coaches that way, in, world, in the world are always people who are think I can get better I can do this I'm not the know I don't know it all I can have other people who can help me out here and when Eddie Howe, when Eddie Howe said that that was a red flag to me. You can argue that's why Man United did so well because every two, three years three, four years they would change the backroom staff under so yeah, Alex and, and Ferguson didn't and have the constantly changing to make sure that they were going to get better and better each yeah, time. Yeah, and Ferguson didn't have the ego to think that he knew it all. He knew that he could get help in to help him achieve his goals. Every time and Ferguson that, that that was a bit of a red flag for me. With anyway. every time yeah. Ferguson was presented with a challenge, he overcame it. So, for example, you know people like people look at like Arsenal and Chelsea, but I first look at Blackburn. Blackburn came in with a load of money. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Walker threw money at it and like, you know, Sutton and Shearer, like, you know, they didn't come cheap. Like, yeah. they, they chucked money at it, they won the league. 
he was presented with a challenge. Right, let's go and overcome that challenge. He overcomes it, he rebuilds his squad, he brings in, you know, the players that he needs. Like, he flushed out players like Mark Hughes and obviously like Steve Bruce. Lee Sharp. Yeah, he, in, and he brought in... Yeah, yeah he Ballister, brought, he brought, he coming towards the end of his career, things brought, like that. He brought in the new era. And then obviously, after that, it was the emergence of Arsene Wenger and, and, you know, the Arsenal was like, we've known them in recent years. You know, a fresh challenge like... Arsene Wenger, people argue, is the most important manager in you know probably almost Premier League history because mm. of the way he changed the thought process of the game. Fergie was changed the ethos of the way Premier League, well, not Premier League football, but top flight football should be. Yeah, but Fergie, Fergie was humble enough to to look at that and uh, and adapt his his style because obviously that type of you know he needed to go into that type of management. You know, he changed it again. Then in that era, arguably, two of his best sides, like you know Manchester United. The, the treble winning campaign mm-hmm. and then obviously like later on you know in 08 like it was 08 07 08 sorry now that was that was a challenge presented to him by the Chelsea side under Mourinho yeah massively yeah. and that, you know obviously then teams adapting over the years gone by so you look at like Eddie Howe you know and we've, we've said this because I'm a massive fan of Eddie Howe like you know if, if Eddie Howe loses his job at Bournemouth and he's out of job in the summer and we don't get promoted and Bielsa isn't at Leeds anymore Give me Eddie Howe. I'm 100 percent or more over it. But we're not. We're you know, arguably we're not beginner for a manager like Eddie Howe, who I think has earned the chance and a crack at a club with a decent budget and a, and a chance of European football. Mm. In my opinion, like a club like a, a Tottenham or maybe even like you know, don't laugh, don't laugh me out of the parking, but like an Everton. Not someone who they're a big enough club. Eddie Howe doesn't seem to think that. Though, no, he did. Yeah, it was not. not. wasn't very complimentary about Everton at all. Mm. Um, Brighton, they they dominated the game. Um, they had two-thirds of the possession. They had more shots on goal and more shots on target. Um, Bournemouth, they only had three shots on target and they scored from all three of those. So, nice and clinical and nice for the old XG for, for Alex. Um, Aston Villa 2, Watford 1. Uh, Pepe Reina's home debut. Uh, Troy Deeney with the opening goal. That's six goals in four appearances against Aston Villa. I think we'll call it. Um, okay. Um, and then... <laughs> um, and then... Um, who was it who scored for Villa? It Dover was Suiz, concert right at the end, but was it concert? It might have been Mings. And Dover Suiz was the one who, who, who made it one apiece. Now, Tyrone Mings, he looked like he could have got a penalty right at the end. Um, the ball, the, the shot from concert did slightly touch Mings to make it 2-1. But did Mings deserve to be on the pitch? I, I, oh, it's a tough one. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out and say it, it, yeah I I I think he I think he knew it was done I think he he thinks it was done I I think it was a red card Alex um I'm gonna say no it, it, it he should have been on the pitch stayed on there uh, there wasn't too much there that I thought it's still the question of the handball rule isn't it so it's a case of in addition to the the the, the challenge I thought that challenge was excessive force has come off the ground. And it's sort of like he's doing like a in the air scissor kick sort of thing. Is the only the only saving grace was the fact that Decore stayed on his feet. Yeah. If anything, if Decore went down and was rolling around a little bit, I'm not saying that's what you should do in order to get sent off. But for me, that sort of challenge doesn't matter whether the man goes down or not. That's got to be a red card. Yeah, they can't they can't change it in the game. Like you know, if 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 the moment's gone, as a you know, players do rash things in the moment. Like Mings has been a rock for them. He's been one of their better players. Like mm. He's been solid. Um, 
No, they, they move on from it. They'll just be buzzing with the three points. Massive three points. Watford have been on such a good run of form as well. So that, you know, that's put Watford back in the bottom three. Which is crazy, isn't it? Because, like, the last seven games, they've only lost two, um, they've only lost two of those. One against Liverpool and then this one just now uh, against Aston Villa. They've, they, they, they've won four and drawn one of their other games. So the fact that they've gone on that monster run and then that leaves them second from bottom on 23 points that's though, how so. that's how dire they were people yeah. need to people need to realize that they yeah. were they were eight points like you know a month or two ago yeah yeah like and now they're where they are like it is it's opened the it's opened that bottom race right up. It, basically what it's done is given it, it what pearson has done for them is just given them a chance to actually stay up because we were we were all all of us what for the down we were saying what for the down oh, that's it book it done that's one of your smarts. Might as start paying out. That's it, yeah. What for the dirt? Now, what this recent run and Pearson has done for them has actually given them a chance where we're now thinking, oh, maybe they will stay up. It's very similar you know? to what Solskjaer did at Man United when he first came in. They were nowhere, <laughs> they were near, nowhere near anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, you know. Then they get the PSG result, yeah. you know, things like that. It's huge. So. Like, and then suddenly people are saying, like, oh, how much do you want on your... How much do you want in your contract? Where do you want your stats? Yeah, how, yeah, how many like, zeros do you want on the back of the that? Day, like, the job's not done. Marco Silva nearly kept Hull up. Do you oh, know what I mean? Like, well... The nearly well, Marco Silva is a fraud. We're not yeah. denying that, but I honestly think the fact that he was so close to keeping Hull up uh, he dined out on that. He yeah, well, yeah, but it, it sort of earned him a little bit of respect in yeah. what he was doing, and I, I, I sort of like I have time for that. I think Watford was his level uh, going up to to Everton. Marco Silva was. Was a bad decision. No disrespect way. to Watford, but like Everton are a much bigger club. Like, yeah, they are a bigger club. Yeah, Ever- Everton, Everton are a massive club, and that's what I was saying a minute ago about like you know. What are Everton? What are Everton? Everton are Everton are a big club. If anything, they're you know they're a, they're a sleeping giant. They're more like a you know like a giant on some sort of sedative. Yeah, they're yeah. They're just they're just sort of like you know meandering around, but like. They, they had a terrible start to the season. People were talking about them. At the start of the season, if you go back to one of the first shows, I said it's going to be Wolves, Leicester or Everton. Yeah. That yeah. hit the top four. Yeah. You know, two out of those four could then, potentially get, are going to yeah. get top four. Like Leicester almost certainly are going to get top four. You know, they're, they're 14 points clear of Man United. Um, obviously... There's got to be a major capitulation for them. Yeah, so, so people, talk, four, four, people four. talking about that Leicester might still not make top four. Liverpool are 13 points clear of City and people are saying the title's done. Yes, they've got two games in hand. However... Like, you know, this was a few weeks ago when Liverpool were 11 points clear. All the titles done. All the titles done. Titles in Merseyside. Like, you know, I, I think 14 points is, is... It would take, a, like again, a major capitulation. Yeah. Clubs go through good stages and bad stages. Leicester, they're hoping they've been through their bad stage. And that's it. Like, you know, Harvey Barnes step, stepping up, for example. Like, you know, these young players that, that Leicester have got, this dynamic squad. I think Leicester are going to be fine. Everton, maybe not so much. You know, clubs like... Let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about Everton actually um, Everton 2 Newcastle 2 um, these are the first goals that have been conceded by Everton at home since Ancelotti took over mm. as well so this is it's quite, it's quite interesting they're 2-0 they're, they're up they're cruising it's 94th minute of injury time you know what happens there so um, Moses Kane he got his first goal for the club it's his first goal since April when he was still at Juve Um Dina found uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, which got his 10th Premier League goal this season. He'll be in the squad. And it's uh, Lejeune who actually came on. He was a substitute who, who came on and, and he scored two goals. So, um, first of all, Moyes Ken. I must say, he, before the goal, 
he looked a lot more confident. And he was pinging balls around and finding passes a lot easier. Do you think that's all he needed? Maybe a new manager. You know, managers managers get different things out of different players. Like, you know, early days Mourinho at Chelsea like got the most out of, you know, not average players. Like, he made good players look great. Like, you know, Joe Coles and Damien Jefferson. Maybe Ancelotti's doing that for Kane. Yeah, and, and I suppose you can't underestimate the uh, the underlying aspect here. Ancelotti's Italian, so is Mo- Moe's Keane, right? Yeah. So, all, already they've got a common interest and a, and a natural sort of uh, thing that they can share there. Yeah. So, um, he can speak to him in Italian, he can communicate him that way, make him feel confident in himself, and it's certainly playing out. I mean, um, the thing is about here with this game is Pickford. What? What is Pickford? What well, is he, he was jumping around, uh, he was cat in a hot tin roof. They showed that they were watching the highlights of the game, and they showed that you know when they got the camera right down the uh, goal line, you know they they've got that view. Yeah. And uh, they had when 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 the uh, I think it was I think it was Newcastle equaliser. Pickford was all over the place. He was jumping from one, smashing into the post, getting on the floor, getting up, and then as he was going back this way, he was diving, and then it ended up he was like. Three four yards. Yeah, he was, he was three yeah. four yards behind the line, which is when when the shot came in, he saved it. But he was so far behind the line, he saved it beyond the line. It's that is not good composure for what you want from your goalkeeper. Pickford needs to make a decision on whether he wants to be. He wants to go on to be the next Joe Hart, or whether he wants to go on to be England's number one. And that's no disrespect to Joe Hart. I love Joe Hart. I think Joe Hart. Well, I, I do you mean by that as in like? There's no other competition, so I'm guaranteed. guaranteed I'm, England's to be num- I'm England's number one. You know what I mean? And this is the thing is that people we haven't had a solid number one since I'm not going to say Paul Robinson, David Seaman. It is David Seaman, and I can't say whether he's going to go on to become David Seaman because David Seaman is David Seaman. Mm. He's England's, you know, arguably England's greatest goalkeeper alongside, you know, obviously like Banks, Banks, Banks literally, Clements. like that's Shilton. That, there's no argument there, and it, you know he's not at that level because he'd already be at that level. Those yeah. guys were great goalkeepers. You know, David Seaman was a great goalkeeper at Leeds when he was a kid. Yeah, like isn't that? There's no two ways about it. Went on to Palace and then obviously Arsenal. Like Pickford. People take the mick out of him. He's got little arms. He's only little and stuff like that. He's a- Olivier Bernard decided to have a oh, little pop, didn't he? Man. That's actually that's he actually on the page. Didn't he? That, he that, that is in. actually on, that's on the top top page. Oh. If you get a chance to have a look at oh, that. Oh, finish him now. That he tagged him in as well. Oh. That's Great goalkeepers, they're not just shot stoppers or, you know, great positioning. They're great organisers. And I don't feel like he's got that because, you know, an Ancelotti defence particularly, a really well-structured side, they play pragmatic football. Mm. Like, you know, to concede goals from set pieces, late goals like that, mm. switching off. I can tell you now, people see Ancelotti and they see this, you know, this 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 stoic sort of figure, he sort of like patrols the touchline. He would have, I would have gone absolutely crazy. He he was going crazy in that dressing room, I'm telling you now. So why don't we flip it around and talk about Steve Bruce? I said it the other day, didn't I? I said it... And I we all laughed. What did I say? Manager of the season. Why not? Give him a new contract. Why not? I t- I'm telling you, the, 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 the way he was chastised before he even got in the job. They scored a goal in pre-season and he was videoed mouthing, shall we, shall we go off now? Do you know what I mean? Like, taking the mick a little bit because the fans hated him because he managed Sunderland and all this business. Like... I'm sorry, what he's done there is nothing short of a miracle. Like, it's on the budget he's got well, and with the players at his disposal. I'll, po- I'll pose you this question. Would they be doing any better with Rafael Benitez in charge? 
I don't think they would. I'd think they'd be in almost the exact same position. Yeah. And, I, people, I would I, be, and people would be saying, oh, poor referee gets Exactly, yeah. The, I, I, I certainly uh, agree with that. And remember, we were ha- in, the, in the chat on Monday on our, on, our, on our podcast, there was a chat going on between Glenn and your man Carl. Yeah, Glenn, yeah. Uh, and Carl was saying that. We like, yeah, we like Carl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should name it the Carl comments, shouldn't we? Should Carl um, yeah, do you know what? Why don't we? Yeah. We'll have a word. See if we want to put some sponsorship in there. Sponsorship that, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> basically, so, by Cole Clark. So, so basically, he, um, he he was saying that Newcastle have got, there was a lot of underlying stats there which they were ranked dead last in, which, you know, fair enough. And it, it could mean that Newcastle are in for a rude awakening shortly. However, what it does mean is I think they've got definitely more than enough if they do have a bit of a downturn in form they're going to stay up because they've got enough points now I feel well, they're well, they're well they've snatched four points off nowhere haven't they they they, they, they they weren't in the game against Chelsea at all but they stuck by it they're and next. they got the goal and then Premier League game this game they've got Norwich next, next. so that's it. And then they're away yeah. at Arsenal so this is February for, for Newcastle they've got Norwich, away, uh, Norwich at home Arsenal away Palace away uh, and Burnley away. You know, if they Palace are on if equal get, points if, as, if they get six points out of them four games, they're they're, they're well, fine. The um, Newcastle say they got um, they got Burnley and Palace in that section and Arsenal. Those three teams also are on level points, thirty points. Imagine that yeah. with Newcastle at the moment. So the only the Norwich game, I, I can't see Norwich. Hey, it's not inconceivable, right? Imagine they go and win all four of those games. Yeah, right. that was forty-two points. But then suddenly, wait a minute, where are they? Do you know what I mean? They're they're right there in, yeah. in, in the argument about. Well, at the moment, they're only, they're only four points behind Man United. Yeah. And Spurs. And so it just Wolves. goes to show again how odd this season is. Like you know, the level of inconsistency. Usually, the teams in the top four have only lost two or three games at this point. Chelsea have lost eight games. Leicester have lost six games. Man United have lost eight. Tottenham have lost eight. You know, Arsenal have won the same amount of games as West Ham and Bournemouth. Yeah. Arsenal only won but Arsenal have lost, lost, only lost one more game than Man City, who it's, was second. It's, it's the draws that are that yeah, really Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal is it, Arsenal's problem have been draws. And Newcastle, when they do lose games, they're not getting pumped. Yeah. That's the other thing as well. So That's, like Newcastle's goal difference, well, it says, it says 12, but they've received a couple of games where they've lost. But like the fact that Newcastle have only lost 10 games, you know, their goal difference, that's only like a couple of... Two nil games and the rest are going what's to be what's by goal eight goals minus twelve. Minus but they've only lost ten games. So if you think about it, that's not actually a bad. No, bad, it, bad it, ratio. it just it just says that they lose the get they lose their games by the odd goal and they and win, they win their games, games by, by the odd goal. goal. Yeah, if they decide that. Well, it's do you remember? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's sort of spend, spending all that money on Joe Linton. Um, Christ. Remember, remember this. Remember when Huddersfield got promoted from the Championship and they had, a, neg- goal, they yeah. had a negative goal difference. They had no which right stated, to be. Which showed that when they won their games, it was a tight, close affair. When they lost, they lost heavily. Yeah. And that was a, that should have been a worrying sign for Huddersfield. No, they managed to stay. They somehow managed to stay up, didn't they? Their first season. Yeah, somehow they, pretty much on the last they, day of the season. They were quickly found out. Well, guess what they're doing in the Championship? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they're what twenty. Second, they've got crowdies though, and I like the crowdie brothers. Um, two more games to round up. Um, we will do. We'll do. We'll do Palace versus Southampton uh, to round that up. Um, prior to the game, that was um, three away wins on spin for Southampton, and only one defeat in ten. 
for Palace, which isn't too bad. I think people need to start centre stepping back and have a look and see what Palace are doing. But um, but yeah, so that that game did finish two 0 to Southampton. I know someone who had a couple of quid on uh, um, needing both teams to score and Southampton to win. It would have been for a vast amount of money. Um, but um, unlucky, that's what I say. Um, <laughs> Nathan Redmond and Lance um, Armstrong. I was a lovely guy. And do you know what I liked much about that goal was the sound when the ball hit the net. Oh, I love that sound. That proper onion bag, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was like a proper hitting the stanchion and the stanchion makes the sort of like the, clunk. almost like the clunk, yeah. And it was just like, that That signifies uh, you, you've hit the ball well, don't you? Well, yeah. my notes, I put Redmond, stop that. Uh, with plenty of exclamation marks and uh, that's what he needed to do what an absolute strike um, and then uh, yeah Armstrong out of nowhere as well just sort of like drilled it past Goita um, talking point in that game just um, on the stroke of half time there's a little bit of drama between Zaha and um, James Ward-Prowse violent conduct um, oh. Zaha yeah has poked um, JWP in the eye and has gone to VAR as soon as you touch someone's face I think thing is like don't get me wrong in this day and age like I want more than anything for the like I don't want it to be like NHL like right here we go the gloves are off like <laughs> no I don't want that but do like, we not <laughs> no. um, would that not add to the the excitement of the game uh, no I, I just I just feel like if you know if two players push each other in the chest they oh, both they both get a yellow card it. they both get a yellow card like yeah. you know stop being idiots like come on crack on you, you know you don't want to cost your team here. As soon as you touch someone's face, like that's it. You know, if he pokes him in the eye, like you know, I, I, I work in mental health. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, I know how devastating an eye poke can actually be. Yeah. Like not for not for myself, but like you know, I, I, I had a colleague who had to have surgery from being poked in the eye, and that was an accident. Like this, Zaha goes out, puts hand in his face. That's I'm sorry, that's assault. Like it's 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 not because it's on a football pitch, and people can argue and sound being dramatic. But like when you touch someone's face like that, like he's pushed him. He's you know essentially you know you know exactly what you're doing. Essentially, you've assaulted him because you can't keep your head. Like what? players do it all the time. Like other players go for me in matches before, and they've been sent off. Like I don't don't do it to try and get them sent off. But at the end of the day, like you know, if you can't take a little bit, and you know you know it's Ward Prowse for example like Zaha you know he's doing he's doing more bits than Ward Prowse has ever done in his career but your feet did a talking what are you getting your hands involved for yeah. well, I thought once you once you raise your hands above the neck level and you were in contact with the head face whatever then that was going to be a red card mm. especially I was, if, was I was a, to believe the if, you, if you were antagonising so again it, it's coming down to the inconsistencies isn't it in, in applying the law and that's what drives us crazy. That's what drives managers crazy, players, mm. fans, what have you. And yeah, he ran. I thought he from VAR just to dismiss that, and they dismissed it pretty quickly, didn't they? Yeah. I know we've we've been we've been on about how VAR can take its time, but it Sometimes. appears it can take its time on over such trivial things. And so they're really and basic. Then, but, then, but then when it comes to more. Uh, uh, incidences and situations such as that, they can dismiss it pretty quickly. And you're like, what? what? It's almost as if they don't watch. Yeah, they don't, they don't, are they even watching? If Ward Prowse goes down and makes a fuss, yes. he goes off. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. But it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. It's the same thing. We remember when Theo Walcott, a couple of weeks ago, against, uh, I can't remember who it was, but in the first couple of minutes... He goes through on goal and he gets pulled back, doesn't he? Oh, he gets, yeah, he gets knocked off balance, doesn't he? The ref, the, the, he got a shot away, but you could argue, and certainly in my point of view, you argue that 
that was a penalty because the defender obstructed from Walcott because Walcott beaten him, yeah. right? And the defenders had to resort to fouling him to stop him from that. He would have a clean shot if yeah. he wasn't fouled. Exactly. So uh, that to me was a penalty. Yet VAR, no, carry on. And Walcott was punished for trying to be too honest there. Yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, it's uh, and it's it's sad. Um, final game: uh, Sheffield United nil, Manchester City one. Uh, the goal came from Aguero, who came off the bench in order to score with. Um, the, the lad that I like, um, KDB, he, he got the assist. <laughs> um, <laughs> two things. <laughs> um, three things, actually. Three um, talking points. There was a penalty. Um, it was um, Chris Basham, who's been t- uh, talk of an English hat for him, um, with a challenge on Mares Penalty, penalty for sure. Uh, I don't think there's any arguments in that. Jesus was the person who took the penalty. And... Um, You're certainly not in your top five penalty takers. No, he's not. He's missed 50% of his penalties since since he's joined Man City. Um, Good save, sort of from Hendo, but at the same time... It's perfect height. It's perfect height, but the main thing with it... Talking about England England goalkeepers. How far was he off his line? Oh, yeah. And why was the assistant referee, who's on the line... Well, why, why wasn't VAR then brought back for that? And gone, oh, hang on, we need to look at that again. And then. Because the AR could only do encroachment. I think you. I, so I, I think the thing is, is that if you were to pull it back for every time the goalkeeper comes off his line, uh, you'd be there all day. Because goal, that's how you save a penalty. Yeah. But the, the laws of the game state that the goalkeeper has to have at least one foot on the line when the penalty is taken, right? Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they certainly uh, like to uh, enforce it with the encroachment. So why can't they enforce it with the goalkeeper standing on their line? Wonderful yeah. question. We would love to all know. Um, whilst it was still nil nil, um, Ollie McBurney had a lovely um, opportunity. He's just stretched out for it. Well, didn't get there in the end. I think. I think it should, Again, I, I said uh, there, there was a lot of feeling during after the Arsenal game um, that you know this is two points dropped. And yeah, I can say it from certainly from a winning position, and I get the feeling that people were taking Sheffield United quite lightly. Sheffield United should not be taken lightly. It's mm. shown that they are. Certainly, a very they're a good Premier League team, and they are hard to beat. They're I mean, organised, they're structured, and the they're, Wilder, exactly, they know exactly and, and, what he wants. And, and, and exactly, Wilder has got them playing how he wants. They've all bought in, and we said this time and time again, and that's what you want from your team. They've only they don't get. I can't remember them getting absolutely hammered by anyone. I mean, they're not what's, this season. What's, what's their, they should what's, have had a point out of Liverpool earlier on this yeah, season. Certainly, you yeah. Look at last night, they've know, taken four points off Arsenal. Uh, I'm pretty certain they 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 drew against Man United, United, didn't they? They yeah. uh, drew against Chelsea at the beginning of the season. They've only just uh, lost this game against Man City, you know, with all their firepower and uh, resources they have at their disposal. Um, uh, it just goes to show that when they do get beaten, they they are beaten what by max one. I don't think they've lost goals. by more than uh, I think a Liverpool, goal. Liverpool, I think Liverpool beat them two 0 didn't they? Oh, Porto did, yeah. Uh, but I can't That's remember. I can't remember oh, them. Yeah. I can't oh, remember. City, City won 2 0. I can't remember them being on the back of a 3 or 4 0 high. No. Um, this will not go on forever. They will ten, have. Yeah. So a, a, a team will figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, there is an antithesis for everything. So I, suppose, I suppose what the antithesis will be is if Wilder can get in better players. If Wilder can get in better players. Basically, it, a team will figure out how to play against this. You know this this Sheffield United. Their standard, the way they play, is the same. They will, yeah. So they will they will have a dip in form, 
My hope is, so again, you know, I'm not supposed to like Sheffield United because of the, the Yorkshire <laughs> thing. But, like, but we all like Chris Wilder. Well, we do like Chris Wilder. And, you know, what Sheffield United are doing is fantastic, particularly with such a young English squad. And some of their players, like, they need to be looking in for England calls. Me and Gav were in the car on the way down here today. And, you know, talk of, like, Lundstrom, who, who's eligible for England. Yeah. But why not? Like, I, 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 I say... Bolduck. Yeah, massively. Like, Lundstrom. You know, um, and, um, these, Basham. These players, mm. they'd give anything for an England call they want to play for England. And, you know, like, but again, my point is when, when a team does figure out how to play against them and they go on a run, let, let's say they have a 10-game ten, ten bad run where they win one or two games and, you know, they lose they lose quite a few and they draw a few and they drop off, right, is that they stick with Chris Wilder and they don't panic and they don't gamble on another manager who's available. Like, you know, again, like an Eddie Howe, like, you know, don't gamble just because he's done it. Like, it's, it's a case of Stick with it. It's a system that works. If you know, know your level, and it's not. I'm not saying that that's what they're going to be you know, resigned to forever. Because at the end of the day, like if Sheffield United want to look at anyone, look at Leicester City's model, for example. Bit of a yo-yo club. They were down in League One with Leeds at one point. Like, yeah. You know, and they've gone on, and in that time since we both came up together in 2000, you know, in 2009, like you know, they've, they've gone on to strength and strength. They won the Premier League, like, and it's not, I'm not saying they're saying, you know, clubs can go and do that because, you know, it's going to become increasingly difficult, particularly because Liverpool are going to dominate for the next, God knows how long. Um, like, you know, you've got to look at the model, like Southampton did it and Southampton have been very lucky to retain Premier League states in the last few years and I'm hoping now that they've got the right man in Hassan and, yeah. and that they, they can continue with, you know, and they start buying the good them. work that they've done in the last well, few years. I think as well going on with Hassan Hootel, yeah. um, you talk about Leicester there with Brendan Rodgers and now obviously Sheffield where we talk about originally Sheffield United and Christian Wilder. I think players can see those are the type of managers where if I play for them they're going to make me a better player. Yeah, I want and to play for them. Exactly. I want to play for them as it's well. It's not about me and my strengths, it's about my strengths adding to the collective strength of a Unit. Yeah, and this is what that that they is. So much heart that's, design. The, that's the epitome of what Sheffield do. They've yeah. got every player adds to what Chris Wilder wants them to do. It's not about individuals. So you might look at certain clubs and go, oh, you know, they rely on one man. But that's the thing with Liverpool, particularly. Don't rely on one man. Yeah. Every single player adds to the strength yeah. of the team as a whole. Indeed. They don't rely yeah. on Salah. Um, they don't rely and, on one and, and that's because they go. They know Klopp is going to make them a better player, therefore making them a better team. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, talk about someone who is important to a team is Aimer at Laporte, who made uh, his comeback against Sheffield United. Now, 49 games with uh, with Laporte since, his, since he made his debut, uh, 29, 27 games without, 86% win record with 63% Win, um, win record without they concede 0.6 goals per game with him and over one goal per game without him how much do you feel that City have been affected by the lack of Laporte this season and well it's, it's too late for this season but going forwards how will it um, benefit them? well they've um, it's clear it's clear it's, it's clear as day that uh, yeah he's massive loss to them but we'll go back to what I said in the last one, and I think you said this before, and you've as well, Gav. I can't believe that they went into the season with only three centre halves, and you yeah. said, why did they let company go without really getting anybody in to replace him in terms of just numbers, you know, yeah. bodies, rather than having to bring back Fernandinho into the back line or and Rodri uh, in the back so. line as well. Yeah, so um, it's not just Laporte being out himself. I mean, clearly it's a massive put because he's a dominant centre-half. He's got what I like in a centre-half as well. He's left-footed, which yeah. obviously gives you balance when you've got your left and right centre-halves, haven't you? Um, 
it, it's more a case of City not getting the necessary depth numbers in the back line who was yeah. in half. So um, it, it, it's big. What I did see here, though, I'd, uh, and I don't know if this if Laporte being in the tie for this length of time would have made much difference. I think Liverpool, out of the last 93 points available, they've got 91. They've actually claimed 91 mm. of their last 93 points. So I don't know if City would have been able to keep up with them this season regardless. Yeah. Um, meet, they might have been like five or six points behind them at this stage. It would have been a bit, a bit more of a tight be, Oh, that Liverpool have just been uh, an absolute machine. But going back to Laporte, yeah, he's a massive miss. I just don't know if it would have made any difference really to the currently table. The, the evidence is there. Obviously, like, you know, with, with the stats that Gav just read out, the point is, is that, you know, two years ago, a company was, you know, stalwart in that city defence. He weren't going anywhere. He didn't suddenly start costing them goals last year. He just wasn't playing as many games because they felt they had better players. They didn't have the injury problems they've mm-hmm. had this year. So did they feel like it was okay to let company go? Did company ask to go? Did he say his time was up? Because I'm certain that if he just stayed, he obviously would have played a lot more games now. But yeah. he would have been points better off had he Well, he's said. playing for Anderlecht now, is it Anderlecht? Yeah, is exactly. it Anderlecht? He, was, he was playing manager and he stepped down after four games as manager. Yeah, yeah he's, he's now playing. Sure so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's playing for Anderlecht now. And if he's still playing... Why Why is he not playing for City? Well, all he's doing is stopping them from conceding goals and telling their fans to stop throwing, yeah, yeah. Stop throwing flares at Simon Mignola. Very yeah. true. Yeah. Very true. And on that, we'll, um, we'll call it a day. Um, it's game day 24 that you've been listening to, available on Spotify and Apple Music. It's been myself, Gab Mack, Alex Osborne and Adam Harrell for to up top the weekly football review show. And we will be back on Monday for the FA Cup review of the fourth round games. There's also going to be a preview show on We Are The Fans TV, where you'll be able to see myself and Ed Hall, um, which will be available on all platforms very soon. Thank you for listening and goodbye.